This is Larry Hama, and you're listening to the Long Box Crusade. What's in your long box? You're listening to the Long Box Crusade podcast, episode 30, featuring Detective Comics number 610, cover dated January of 1990. Welcome to the 30th episode of the Long Box Crusade. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. The Long Box Crusade is a podcast where each episode, a random cover month and year is chosen, and then an issue is selected from one of the Long Box Crusade crew members' comic collection. Each episode will provide summaries, review, and reminiscing about that issue, ads, and events of that time. But... I am not doing this alone. Joining me, as always, is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Pro. Thank you, Pat. Um, I'm dead. So no more appearances of Death Pro because I'm dead. Can I have your pens? Yeah. Okay, cool. Just dead. Pat. So no need to look at oh, Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. I got this. I got this. Hey, Jared. Mm. <laughs> hey, oh, hey. <laughs> What's up? Damn it, now I don't get the pens. I wasn't really dead. There was a code phrase that if it was whispered to me, I would be alive again. Mm. Now I'm back. Thanks, Delvin. You're welcome. What, what did you say to him, Delvin? I'll never tell. Was it was I'll it never this? Tell. Hot nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody here wanna buy my nuts? <laughs> that was it. That was the code word. <laughs> he wakes up. If I'm the peanut man. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, I love that one. Always. Well done. Oh, let's see who else is here with us. Let's go ahead and talk to Delvin, the Dark Web Williams, since he was chatty already. Yeah, it was. And I, I just wanted to let you know, Pat, that there are many ways that you can fake your own death. You know, there's like various drugs, you know, and other things. So yeah, just gonna leave that there and not really do literally anything else about it. Mm-hmm. Informational. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Yep. Yeah. Just figured you might want to know that. And that's what you do when you're the world's greatest detective. You have like a theory and then you just <laughs> do absolutely nothing about it. Go party, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a great plan. Good to know these things. And we'll see if Jason the Weasel Skull, Albrick, did you know that? Oh, yeah. I mean, this kind of reminds me of a story when I met Batman. They actually captured it in this comic book. Jared and I were actually out. We were causing trouble. We were busting up a uh, telephone booth. Uh-huh. For those of you who don't know what a telephone booth is, it's like, imagine your iPhone in a location attached to a wire and you got to pick it up. And all you can do is talk into it. Oh, that's weird. I don't get it. I, I'm, okay. I'm young. So we we're busting up this telephone booth, right? And so Batman comes down. 
And Batman, like, we're like, oh, crap, it's Batman. We're in trouble. We're going to get our butts whipped. But you know what? Turns out he's just a snitch. He snitched us to the cops, man. <laughs> snitches Batman. get stitches. Like little bitches. I mean, <laughs> seriously, at least he could have beat us up so we had a cool story. But I no. know. <laughs> he snitched me out to Commissioner Gordon. I ended up having to ride back in the back of a squad car. Did three weeks of juvie. That's where I met Mary Jane, by the way. So, you know, shout out Mary Jane. Yeah, but yeah, that's what yeah, I learned. Something came of it. Yeah, I busted yeah. up a uh, telephone booth and got snitched on by Batman. Can't believe it. What a man, man that Batman. What do you got? What do you got to do with him? He, he thinks he owns Gotham or something like that. You know, it, I know. If I'd been whatever. in Metropolis, I would at least got a stern lecture to by Superman. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, Batman, put us on the right path or something. Right? Yeah. You know, I man. don't know. But, you think, or at least maybe he would want you to be his ward or something, you know? I think he was already booked up at that oh. point in time, you know? But like, yeah, if I'd have boosted the tires off of his Batmobile, then I'd be living in high heaven. I'd be trained in all kinds of fighting styles, living high off the hog, having Alfred bring me food and stuff. It would be mm-hmm. awesome. But no, now me and my brother, we bust up one phone booth and, you know, but we met Mary Jane, so... And shout out to my homies from Cell Block Six. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure there's more stories that I would love to hear from you, but we have a show to do. So let's go ahead and get moving on as we go here. Let's go ahead and take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. Come out to play. Come out to play, a new Warriors podcast is streamed live in front of an internet audience. You can join in on the live stream and chat every second Tuesday of the month on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for and follow Longbox Crusade. Welcome back from the break. Today's adventure from the long box is Detective Comics number 610, cover dated January of 1990. This one's coming from Jared's collection. The cover credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. We have published by DC. Its cover date was January 1990. On sale date was November 21st, 1989. A number, another summer. Get down! Sound of the funky drummer. Make it one and a half. So, brothers and sisters. Thank you. Thank you. Couldn't get to the mute button faster. Brothers and sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Scramble for that mute button. I couldn't make it happen. I missed I the funky drummer. I was trying to jump in there. But... Yeah, that, that's right. Down to the funky drummer. Cover price was just $1. Editor is Dennis O'Neill. Writer, Alan Grant. Penciler, Norm Brayfogel. Inker, Steve Mitchell. Letter is Albert Tobias de Guzman. Colorist is Adrian Roy. Wow. There are a lot of names on this. 
that we all probably know and love. So this one should possibly be a good one, but we'll see. It's reprinted in Batman Arkham Penguin trade paperback in 2018 or Legends of the Dark Knight Norm Brayfogle Volume 2 hardcover. And speaking about the cover, cover credits go to artist Norm Brayfogle. Let's go ahead and get a cover description from Jared. You got it. This cover can be confusing. I fear unless I make it all too clear. There's your primer. The DC Bullet logo is in purple, and the Detective Comics title matches with the same purple, highlighting its glorious 80s, 90s font with the bat-winged V in Detective, which I love. The main action is a somber picture of Batman standing in a graveyard, his cape wrapped around him as if he's thinking, baby, I don't understand. For the penguin in this graveyard, this time might be his last as his headstone is prominently displayed amongst all the other headstones, most of which have the names of Batman creative team members. The graveyard itself is flooded with birds, white birds, that make the viewer think, we can take what was wrong and make it right. And who knows? With this end of the Penguin in Gotham, maybe the Book of Love will open up and let us in. So take these broken wings and learn to find it. Holding Delvin because Delvin's always good about giving us that best one in the end. Like the one that they're going to get it, it's going to be this one. So that's what I did. I used the Delvin formula. Oh, oh, but you're bringing back the mechanic from Transformer Chronicles in my mind now. Oh, no. (laughs) No, Broken Wings is Mr. Mister. Oh, is it Mr. Mister? I always get Mike and Mechanics and Mr. Mister. A lot of M's involved. Yes. Good job, boys. Good job. All right, well, with the cover description out of the way, let's find out what we all thought about the cover art. And I will start it with Jason. You know, I really like this cover. This just kind of screams Norm Brayfogle to me. I didn't read this issue before. If I did, I'd forgotten about it. But it really pulled me in right from the jump. Just the penguin grave site. You know, you can't help but notice that. It's like, what's going on in here? And then you can't mistake that Batman pose for anybody other than Norm Brayfogle. Uh, and then with the birds all around there, it's just it's just a beautiful cover and uh, makes me want to read it. Delvin, what's your thoughts on it? I mean, I really don't see why anyone doesn't, you know, anyone likes Brayfogle. He's such a hack. He's just... <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to say anything. <laughs> if, it if it was TV, it'd go to like those colored bars where it's like... Boo! And you can just hear fighting in the background. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a fool! your mother? We're experiencing technical difficulties. <laughs> you technical back. difficulties. Go back. I have a bandage over my eye. Jared has one under his chin. And then I'd be like, <clears throat> as I was saying, Norm Brayfold is a great artist. <laughs> But he is. Um, and I I don't know. I liked it because it was very um in its it was very simplistic. And I, I like the Batman pose, I like the graveyard, you know, with the penguin prominently displayed. I always think it's clever when they find a way to put the names of the creators or something in there too. Uh so mm-hmm. a lot to like. I, I know that uh Bray Fogel is a favorite of Jared's and Jason's uh both. And it's easy to see why he, I love the artists. I mean, you have someone like a Jim Lee who just can 
seems like he falls out of bed and draws beautiful stuff. And then you have someone like a Bray Fogle. And I'm trying to remember that daredevil artist of recent years. Similar things to where like Bray Fogle Samney. Thank you. He makes me sick with how much he can do with so few lines. Yeah, Bray Fogle can either do something hyper detailed or he can do something with like simple lines. And you look at it's like, dang, man, this is beautiful. So that's what this cover was. It was simple and it was beautiful. I think you you said it really well there, Delvin. Simple and beautiful. When I look at it, I see a lot of details, but it's really simple details and just placement of everything to have the names on the headstones on that it took me a while to look at them and i'm like oh they are the names of the artists and letterers and everybody that were on this issue and then just mm-hmm. the coloring of it too as jared mentioned the purple man that really pops on this and, and the detective worth, v it's worth mentioning also that you know apparently t he was right names are for tombstones baby <laughs> <laughs> I'm going mute now. <laughs> yeah, I really I like that with Mr. Big. <laughs> for tombstones, baby. I really like this cover a lot. Uh, just the coloring on it as well, too. Just really makes this thing pop. And I, the minute I saw it, as Jason said, I was like, oh, man, I got to read this thing. Jarrett, what's your thoughts? Well, Pat, I'm glad you asked. Pat, have you ever gone and to your, like your local neighborhood or maybe a little downtown area and found like a really good restaurant kind of hidden away. You know, it doesn't advertise a lot, but the food's like awesome and it's got great atmosphere and you love to go there. And Bill like, Jerry, yes. yes. Yes, I have. It's like your special place. And then like the word gets out and then everybody starts coming to the restaurant. You're like, I remember when this place was cool and only I knew yeah. about it. That's how I feel about Bray Fogle. <laughs> Jason and I were on this Bray Fogle train and Delvin hit it right on the head. This is, not, this is like 89.90. This is when... Yep. McFarland's getting big, Jim Lee's getting big, Liefeld, all those guys are getting big, and no one was talking about Bray Fogle. Like, Jason and I were like, we're, we're basically like Rob Kelly in the Aqua Shrine for Aquaman, all those years. <laughs> Jason and I were like, Bray Fogle rocks, and nobody's talking about it. I'm so glad, though, unlike my metaphor, I'm really glad that other people have found him over the years. And, like, he has this extreme uh, following now. People respect the heck out of him, and he deserves it for all the reasons that Delvin said. It's beautiful simplicity. Uh, a full respect to the colorist, which I think you mentioned too, Pat. The, the colors is great. Mm-hmm. What I like best about it is the birds. Yes. The birds is what sells it. And I think you said Denny O'Neill was the editor on this issue. Yes. I got that distinct impression that Bray Fogle was like, here's a hell of a good cover. And Denny was like, more birds. And he was like, all right, more birds. And he was like, here it is, Denny. And Denny was like, I need, I'm going to need no more birds, man. <laughs> he was like, okay. How about this time? He's like, you got about five pounds of birds here. I need 10 pounds of birds in that five pounds. It's the insane (laughs) amount of birds that really says penguin and he's dead. Question mark. And Batman looks legitimately a little sad, you know, which is weird because penguin's not a good dude. But I think over the years, there might have been a begrudging respect there. But it says a lot with a little and it's wonderful. And I'll stop talking. I'm doing break football rules and. Blow that. <laughs> I will just add real quick that sure. Jared said we were Bray Fogle fans back in 89. That's about when I was jumping back on to Batman. Mm. And well, just jumping back into comics, really. And this was the comic that hooked me back in. The detective comics that Norm Bray Fogle drew were just, that was my gateway drug back in the comics. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and you know, this is coming off the 89 movie. It just happened. You know, this is coming out December or so uh, that I mentioned. And so this is the heyday of the Batman, I think. Yeah, on sale date, you said, was November 21st. So, yeah, Batman had just blown up in the summer. Mm -hmm. It was definitely still huge for us in Germany because we were just getting it at this time. Because we got movies so so much later than everybody else. But yeah, you're right. This would definitely be the tie into the moment. Absolutely yeah. right. All right. Well, with that fun cover description discussion out of the way, let's go ahead and get into the synopsis. And that is brought to you by Delvin. of this book was Ode to a Penguin. Since this is Long Boss Crusade and not Crusader Chronicles, I don't have to do a bit for my synopsis. This is Batman. All my bits are for Spidey because he's the coolest. What I will do is have the lads give me some sound effects after certain parts of the synopsis because we've done that in the past and it's cool. We start the story with a funeral for the penguin who apparently died from being too fat or working out. Both can kill you if you go too hard in the paint. Anyway, Batman suspects Penguin is faking it, but doesn't have much proof to go with, so he half-heartedly follows one suspect and leaves. The minister of the funeral took his job seriously and wanted to respect Penguin's wishes, so he asks that everyone give a bird call at the end of the ceremony, which Jared will do now. (coughs) Thank you, sir. Later, that night, two goons, Tony and Knuckles, come to dig Penguin up. Looks like he was under deep hypnosis and can be revived by saying a safe phrase, which Jason is going to shout for us. Okay, boss. Time to hatch out. But it doesn't work. Now what? Well, at Arkham Asylum, it looks like Scarface is hatching a scheme. I won't make anyone impersonate him because that accent is annoying. But while Scarface wins a rigged card game and talks about some yet-to-be-revealed scheme, Tony and Knuckles have commandeered a helicopter and they bust out the villain known as Cadaver, who revives Penguin with the real safe phrase, which Pat will now make up. Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. That's really good. (laughs) I like it. And finally, at a club at the Ritz Hotel, a lot of bigwigs and goons gather to pay tribute to the Penguin whose dying wish was to start a penguin fund to take care of birds and stuff, Raphael Santini, a big mob guy, reveals he's in cahoots with Scarface, and Batman is left wondering what exactly is going on with all this craziness. All right, Delvin, thank you for that fun synopsis. I'm glad we brought back some of the sounds and, and things like that. Me too. Worked out well. It did. All right, well, let's go ahead and find out what we all thought about the story, and I will start with Jared this time. Oh, we're done with... No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, Pat, you know, we went on, we waxed Bray Fogle's car quite a bit there. I know I did, especially. Well, I'm going to wax Alan Grant's car as well, because this was a one-two punch of awesomeness. DC was brilliant. Okay, brilliant. This is where they, they defeat Marvel early on in this era, because... They knew they had that hit movie coming out. And what were the titles they were dropping on on Detective and Batman? They were dropping like 10 Nights of the Beast. They were dropping this intricate 
Penguin storyline. They had good writers and great artists. Unlike when Marvel like rolled out their first kind of big hit, which was Blade, and there was like nothing on the show. <laughs> if you want to go read, they're like, well, we've got this uh, Marvel Essentials back when you had an afro and a green jacket. What? <laughs> This is not the movie I saw in the theater, sir. <laughs> it's Blade, I swear to God it is. No, it's not. Where's this trench coat? And it's who shades. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, taking this back to the story, Alan Grant's obviously weaving a great tale here. I mean, he killed the pink air quotes, killed the penguin, right? We all know you can't kill him, but he found a clever way to do it, a clever way to make it interesting, wrote a whole story around what would his funeral be like, mm -hmm. what's the aftermath like, how do people treat him in death? These are all great things that we get to see, even though the book doesn't have a ton of action. Like Jason said, he doesn't even really rouse the kids. He just snitches <laughs> Batman, just snitches them out. There's not a ton of action, but it's a real character-driven thing. It's interesting, and it looks great. I'll leave the rest for somebody else. All right, let's go ahead and go to Jason. Well, let's talk about the villains in this story. Mm. I always thought the Scarface villain was really cool. It was a clever gimmick. I loved it every time Scarface turned up. He's creepy. He's really creepy. Yeah. And then you throw this cadaver guy on top of it. And I don't know that I remember this cadaver villain, but he is super creepy. Like, this guy's like joking. He's like wacko. Mm-hmm. Joker's going, can I get another room? <laughs> this guy's <laughs> out of his mind. And I just think that to go with what Jared was saying about the writing, they just have some really memorable villains, not named Penguin or Joker or Riddler, that I really admired in this writing and this story. So it was really cool for me to see these characters I hadn't really heard of, but they de definitely leave an imprint on you after you've finished reading the issue. They definitely do. This was one that I think once I started reading it, I was like, I can't put this down. This is so good. And it makes me want to kind of delve back into this era of DC again, especially this era of Batman with Detective. I wanted to know, did something happen in the issue before that killed the Penguin? I was I, we can see it or, you know, where does or that got cadaver in the jail cell? How did you know, how did he get Apparently, there? Apparently, Pat, it was Pilates. Uh, oh, I thought me. You sure it wasn't CrossFit? Well, the one thing you need to know about CrossFit, Pat, is it's a cult. It's a what? Did you say it was a cult? I said it's a good way to work out. Oh. And it's, That's it's not what you said. Fitness. Yeah. I did, wait, hey, I, can I tell you about this protein shake that I'm making? You just blend it up real quick, and it's like there's flaxseed oil. Not, we're not, no one's going to make it. Then there's soy protein. None of us are drinking it. Oh. Ugh. You all right? <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> so I was continuing. Where did we leave off? This. Yeah, well, where did I leave <laughs> off on my statement there? Bits and bits and off. Just flying around here. It's just, wow. I can't believe it. Well, with that, Delvin, go ahead and let's go and hear what you have to say about the story. Y'all, I'm going to be in the minority on this one. I won't say I hated it, because I didn't hate it. That's That would have been way too far. And in fact, I definitely would like to see what the second half of the story is. Um, mm -hmm. I don't like this Batman. And what I mean by that is, I didn't mind that he was public Batman. But what I did mind is, I think that, like, 2021 Batman would have had most of this solved in about three pages. 
And I guess what I mean by that is he's like, okay, yep, there's several ways you can fake your death. And then he jumped in there, like made a scene in public and, you know, threw back the casket and looked and was like, oh, no, he's dead. And it's like, do you really think he's dead? And like, because 2021 Batman would have taken one of the 84 Bat colleagues that he has now and just camped them at the site. <laughs> when as soon as the crooks came and dug them up, they would have just followed them. You know, that was the part where it just seemed like Batman was more content to just kind of follow along with the storyline. It's like, oh, I'm bored, so I'll just go to the nightclub too and hang out. Like, huh? What? Really? I did. I did think the same thing delvin i was surprised that he didn't himself camp out or have one of his bat family keeping an eye on that site because if he really suspected something was up i mean if any one of us suspected something was up we're gonna we're gonna post a guard on that yeah or he's like okay i'm kind of suspecting so i'm gonna go after like this one dude who kind of stuck out at the funeral okay i've been there five seconds screwing him out but Dude, really? Batman? Batman wouldn't do that. Batman would at least stay 10 seconds, maybe 13 yeah, seconds. A little bit longer. Yeah, so a little bit hypercritical. Uh, but let me end being somewhat positive because what I did like is I love that you and Jared both talked about it, Jason. Ray Fogel's art was really interesting. And that there were some times like he was like swinging away and he was like, you know, hyper muscly in detail. And then sometimes he went abstract. And we like kind of just have like a bat signal and like, you know, the cowl and like the in the eyes. And it was always used to really good effect. Like uh probably the last page of the book. I really like that bat man. I was on that page, too. So I was enjoying looking at his work. I always keep in the back of my mind when one of my friends in this case, two of my friends, like really, really rave about something. It's like, well, let me stop and pay a little bit more attention to the nuances of what this person or artist is doing in whatever reason. And I'm glad I was able to do that with Bray Fogel. So that was cool. I wanted to end on a more positive note. Dylan, were you collecting Batman at all? Or, or when did you start your kind of collection of Batman? <sighs> Hold on. I sent a picture, right? On text. Oh, Hold yes, on. you probably did. I want to say your collection starts in the 800s. Yeah, I think so. I, okay. I don't remember. No, not quite. I had... A run, I basically started from 731. I had a run basically from 731 until the end of the book, which was 881. So about 150. So I collected it for men. Sure. Okay. The Bray Fogel run was a little bit before my time. Have you ever gone back and read, read it or is this kind of samplings of it here and there? If you asked me, this would have been a first read for me. I want to say that I've looked at Norm Brayfogle stuff, but I don't think I have looked at a lot of it because oh. I get him and who's the other guy, Jared? Aparo. Him and Jim Aparo, a little bit confused, even though Aparo does more um, physical, excuse me, facial expressions and stuff than Brayfogle, but both very good artists. Okay. I'm just kind of wondering to, you know, see where your take is from, from where uh, Jared and Jason were reading. And I was kind of in and out of it at this time. I probably didn't start collecting a little bit more till the early 90s is probably when I started getting more yeah. into collecting and going out to the comic shop to get them. So I was picking up Batman at the time. Good to hear your kind of take on the story. And I think you, you mentioned something of him being a more public Batman. And you're right. In this one, mm -hmm. he's more he's like he's not afraid. The camera's on him. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
You know, he went to and the he, party like Adam West does yeah. in the old 60s TV show. He always showed up at parties and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Just I'm going to hang out in the back. Out you, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. yeah. And everybody's like, oh, it's just Batman. He's just here hanging out, just chilling with us. So I thought that was kind of interesting to see that play on it. And you really described it well for me on that kind of public Batman where he's just like, yeah, I'm out here. What are you going to do about it? I'm not hiding. I mean, he made a scene at the cemetery. Like what Batman would do now would have been like, okay, let's wait for the whole thing to disperse. All right, everyone's gone. Great. Now let me go check out the body real quick. Yeah. Instead or of just would have done some thermal scanner or something like that from a distance right. or something. But he never yeah. now would make a scene like this one did. Does anybody have any other thoughts on the story that you wanted to get off? Only thing I wanted to throw in there real quick was I like the relationship between Batman and Commissioner Gordon at yeah. the funeral. I thought that was really pleasant to see. And the elements that I really like about the Batman lore is the relationships that he has with the supporting cast. And we got to see a good one there with Commissioner Gordon. I agree. Definitely. Jared, did you have something? Just going to say, I think I mentioned before, it's captivating enough to makes me go, ooh, I want to read 611 and 609 yeah. and everything around it. I love this era of Batman. <laughs> Blow it out your ass. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm there with you. I, I was like, oh, man, I really want to see how the story ends. Because I think later on, there's a three or so part Penguin story later on again, isn't there? And it goes in between Batman and Detective, where it just kind of plays through them. And I thought this was the one, but then I don't think this one is. I think this one just continues in 611. But there's a like a three-parter Penguin story. The Penguin Affair, right? Am I thinking? That sounds right to me, Pat. I mean, hard for me to remember all the way back to yeah. this era. But yeah, Jason and I were picking these up at the Stars and Stripes bookstore, Downs mm. Barracks, full of Germany. Sure enough. And um, I, that sounds right. The Penguin Affair sounds right to me, Pat. Yeah. Well, if, if I'm wrong or somebody wants to correct us, go ahead. That's what we're all about. We definitely want to hear from you listeners out there. Help us out with this and get in the conversation with us and just respond back to a comment in Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or at uh, Contact at lawnboxcrusade.com. But now let's go ahead and get into some story art. Delvin, would you like to add anything else on the story art? I think I've said plenty. Um, okay. Very enjoyable. It was an interesting style to see it. Interesting, interesting, great. Not interesting like I'm trying to use like a euphemism for saying I thought it was terrible because I did. It definitely reminded me, especially some of the abstract stuff of, of Todd McFarlane. And it made me wonder... And maybe Jared or Jason can help me out. How long had Bray Fogel been penciling at this point? Surely Detective Comics wasn't his first go round in the DC universe or in the comic verse. Do y'all know? I honestly don't. I discovered him on Batman and I honestly don't know where he came from before this. Jason, you got anything on that? Uh, I discovered him on Batman as well. And I think he'd been penciling since about 88 I seem to recall that being the first time I was introduced to him, pulling him off the rack. Other than that, I couldn't tell you what he worked on before. I'm just doing a quick search, so hold on. I was going to do it. Keep going. Okay. Yeah, if you want to keep it moving, I'll look. All right, Del. Thank you. Get those dark web skills. Put them into action for us. Let's go ahead and talk to Jared. What's your thoughts on the art? Well, I've spilled the beans. I'm a complete homer. <laughs> for Norman Bray Fogle, but 
yeah, that last page is awfully cool with all the detail in that building. I know we're going to talk about favorite pages and all that stuff, but mm -hmm. to me, he will always be the master of motion. I just feel movement and motion in almost every panel he does. And I've raved about this on multiple episodes of the show. I'm going to rave about it again. We didn't see a ton of fights in this one. Again, it's more character driven, but it's always easy to follow the flow of his action. He does cool little tricks. I don't remember if he did it in this book particularly or not, but I, he always does cool tricks in the action where there's one piece that'll tie it all together. And usually that piece is a batarang. He'll throw it. And then as he's doing something else, you'll see the batarang continuing to fly in the background as he's doing something else. It's coming back around again. And I'm like, what a cool, there's always like a little detail like that, that kind of ties all the panels together into one fluid thing. And it's, it's brilliant. I, speaking of that, he does do some really cool different panel breaks and breaking up the panels on some of the pages and just different shapes of them throughout this issue where there's really action. There's some really different angles that he uses in the panels that I found interesting. Yeah, there's definitely one that should get a shout out. No pun intended is when the guard's falling off the roof and he's screaming, mm -hmm. he's actually falling into the next panel. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a good example that you brought up of the motion because that whole page, that escape scene, you see cadaver hanging off of the ladder and he's getting closer and closer than pow knocks the guard. He knocks the guard off of the, mm -hmm. off the tower. And then uh, as Pat says, the connecting piece of that is the guard falling that connects to the next panel. So I think that's a good mm -hmm. representation of what you were talking about. Those two pages. Definitely. Jason, do you have anything else on the art? Just double down on what Delvin said. One of the, strong elements that Bray Fogle has is he knows when to put in detail. He knows when to go minimal. And I think I can't help but comparing it to like Bruce Lee, you know, when he talked about his martial arts style, just removing any unnecessary component. And you can see in an artistic style, that's what Norm Bray Fogle is doing here. If he doesn't need it, one of the scenes I think is like when he comes up on those kids very simple. It's really just the cow, but you're seeing it from the kid's perspective. And that's all they see is this big, monstrous, hulking figure in a scary cow. You don't need a lot of detail. Norm knows that. So he keeps that simple. But like we talked about, and I think the page that we're all, a lot of us are going to gravitate to is that final page in the comic book. He knows I'm ending it here in a Batman pose. It's detail time. I'm laying it all out here. So he just has this great sense of, you know, what is the action? What does the story call for? And he um, adapts his art for the moment. So I really appreciate that. One of the things I really admire about him. Very good. Well, you've kind of made a good segue so we can go into our favorite page of the One book. One second. One second, Pat. Mm -hmm. I, I should give a very quick synopsis on Norm Brayfogle. That good old Wikipedia helped me out with. I won't can take I, too long. Can I make one guess before you start? Sure. American flag? Oh, let's see. He was an American artist. There we go. That's all I got. No. All right. <laughs> so uh, you read the first <laughs> sentence of Wikipedia. <laughs> so uh, he co-created the ventriloquist and rat catcher with Alan Grant and John Wagner. Uh, he created the character's... Anarchy, Jeremiah Arkham, Victor Zaz, and Amygdala with Grant alone. And he co-created with Gerard Jones and Lynn Strazuski, the Malibu Comics Ultraverse flagship hero Prime. 
and both wrote and drew the Malibu published series featuring his original character, Metaphysique. Want me to go on just a little bit more? I can also help fill some stuff in from my search from Mike's Amazing World. Sure, go for it. Credits start at November cover date of 1984 for a new talent showcase from DC. He then goes into Legends of Superheroes, number 24. And then, Jared, you are correct, American Flag, number 33. Score. So it does you know a lot what, of... You know what else he did? He did in 2001 the Flashpoint miniseries, which I think we covered an issue of on this podcast. I remember mm-hmm. I was doing a Flash issue that he drew. It was either that or or was it... So I'll keep going, Jared. Oh, okay. I'll yeah. shut up. No, you're good, dude. I mean, because I, I know how much you're a fan you are, and so it gives you an opportunity to flex. In 2000, Bray Fogle drew the Elseworlds three-issue miniseries Flashpoint. In 2001, DC offered him the job of penciling the Spectre Monthly, which he drew for a year. So there was a lot of other things that he did, like including at one point going on a marathon in about six months and writing over 40 poems and 1,300 haikus. Pat's favorite and a lot of other cool stuff to include in 2008. He uh, drew Archie's new look for Archie's double digest. And he drew two titles for Archie comics. Archie loves Betty and Archie loves Veronica. And I bet Jared's looking for that right now. Uh, I did not know this. And I don't know if you guys did too. Um, He died at a relatively young age in 2018 of 58 of heart failure, unfortunately. But yeah. Legend in his own time, and he has quite the impressive bibliography. So, nope, not just Batman. He drew all across the DC universe. Man, how did Marvel not get him ever? That's weird. DC did. Eclipse Comics, Arse Comics, Malibu. Oh, nope, he did a few uh, Marvel comics, too. Okay, wow. To include uh, Avengers Annual, Black Panther, Hellcat. Hellcat. Issue of I Hellcat. knew he did Hellcat. Yeah, he did Hellcat. Hellcat. Um, he did uh, issue of Moon Knight. So he did dabble. So he was all over the comics world. DC Eclipse, First Comics, Malibu Comics, Marvel Comics, and Valiant. The man was a legend. Pat, remember we did JL May? We told yes. them all about the Silver Age. That was yep. it. He drew that. Yeah, we definitely we Age. told them all. We'll tell you all. So he, this is his second appearance on Longbox Crusade. Yeah, very cool. All right, does anybody have anything else on the wonderful art from Norm Brayfogle? I kind of like it. Yeah, it grows on you. You know, it's it's good. If you want art, you want to go back to some art that you just comfort art. This is it, definitely. All right, well, Jarrett, time for you to take us on to the next segment. All right, gentlemen, let's talk about our favorite page of art from the book. Uh, we had the opportunity to meet Norbert Fogel before his untimely passing, and he was to offer you up a free page. Uh, before I pass around, is anyone not taking the last page, or should we just move on? <laughs> you I have a runner-up. I'm saying the last page. There's no runner-up. Yeah, the last page page is incredible. It's classic Batman standing on a gargoyle. Yeah, it's Batman. But but let's hear your runner-up. My runner-up would be when Batman is kind of showing himself to the two teens. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Looking scary. Phrasing. Phrasing. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, sorry. What do you young men think of this? Do you, people just don't do that nowadays. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what do you think I got under my cape? Uh, Check out. Would you like wang. to see my back? <laughs> <laughs> I'll touch my battle wang. <laughs> oh no. That's uh, oh, all right, Pat. My runner-up would be the very first page where he's at the funeral. That was another one too. Very That's really cool. Batman-y, and then you get, of course, you get the penguin statue and cool scene. Yeah, that's another great one too. I had an opportunity to meet Norm Brayfogle a few years back. He was doing a convention in Bellevue, Northern Washington, and I was all set to go. And then my friend Blake decided to get married on that day, and so I went to his wedding instead. Mm. Yeah, Blake, bad timing, Blake. Mike ever uh, pencil any Batman issues or? <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, you know, he was my roommate for a couple of years, so only a couple. I like Blake. Blake was a good dude to Jason in key moments of his life, so he I'm down was. with Blake. And still right. is, still my friend. So that's all right. Good to have the friends like that. Was it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's still around, so odds are he probably would have stuck around. <laughs> I'm sure he would have understood, but speaking about some memories and friends, does this bring back any memories for you? Let's start with Jarrett. Of course. It's like uh, everything that shows up on the show. We go back to Germany. It's the Batman movie era. (laughs) It seems Mm -hmm. to come up all the time. But yeah, definitely brings that back. Uh, We'll talk about ads a little later on. So it definitely takes me back to the early boom of video games and nintendo we'll talk about that but yeah just you know this is just it takes me back to the happiest moments of my life and i've said it on a million other episodes so i'll leave it at that let other people talk delvin anything for you since we have been in the 1989 era before what i'll add is just i think 1989 was right around the time where my knees were aching all the dang time because they originally thought that old Delvin was going to be a kind of shorter, chubby kid. And then all of a sudden, my knees were aching all the time. And and next thing I know, like before, by the time I turned 14, I was six foot one. So I became a big and chubby kid instead. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's a new memory that I've never said, I don't think, on the show. So that's a good one. We'll, We'll go with that. Jason. Well, like I said, These were rolling out about the time I was getting back into comic books like Jared. I just remember going to that Stars and Stripes, our local little bookstore. This was the only place we could go to get comics, get them off the rack, and just the joy of spinning through there and and seeing that detective comic on there was always a must-buy for me. So just really giving credit for a fun, happy time in comic book collecting for me and crediting it for bringing me back into the fold. Mm. Yeah, I think this, for me too, is where I begin my interest more into comics. And that is kind of helped through the Batman 89 movie happening at this time. Uh, you know, I was always into G.I. Joe and that, but, you know, the the wider area of comics that are out there with DC and Marvel and that, and finding, an, you know, a local comic book shop to go to, I would then go with my friend, Glenn, who we've had on Crusader Chronicles a while, way while back. But he's kind of what got me into Batman. And so he was collecting these and would get the Batman issues. And so then I would borrow them from him to read. And then once I got immersed in that, just wanting to get some for myself. So 
this is definitely a great time to be around at this time for comics. All right. Well, with that, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Longbox Crusade Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram page. We will be right back. It's JL May. We're covering the Silver Age. This JL May. A comic event from Mark Wade. We're crossovering a podcast. There's 12 of us involved. Get it in your ear holes, this JL We'll tell you all, all about the Silver Rage. It's not great, but it's okay. We really have to warn you. It has a controversial one. Where Mark Miller wrote the lead. But it also has some good stuff. Teen style page metal man. Challenges of the unknown. Green Lantern Flash Patrol of Doom. The seven soldiers of victory are in there too. The annual JLMA event is upon us once more. In 2018, we're reading The Silver Age from 2001. The journey begins in the podcast Justice's First Dawn and continues in the shows Relatively Geeky, Coffee and Comics, Supermates, Waiting for Doom, Idlehead of Diablo, The Longbox Crusade, The Lantern Cast, Batgirl to Oracle, Comic Reflections, Cosmic Treadmill, The Fire and Water Podcast. Do you know it's Check the date. It came out in 2000. We got it right. And we're ready for some fun. Do you know it's JLM? It all begins this May. Something. Welcome back to the break. Let's continue on with the show. And now it's time to scan through the featured issue of Detective Comics number 610 for the ads that stood out to us in the segment called Add It Up. Here 
here are the ads that stood out to us in this issue. And we'll go to Delvin. I swear, looking through these ads, there was nothing over the top that just tickled the tummy feathers. Like, Jared uh, shared with me the ads. And then I was like, man, none of these ads I'm really crazy about. Like, you know, and he's like, what? Like, yeah, you didn't grow up playing Nintendo or something? And I was like, the hell did you say to me? And so we we almost got into like an (laughs) argument and everything. But so like. I choose none. I'm good. I saw the ads, wasn't impressed by them, so I'm good. Let's see what the other, the last none, of, none of the hodgepodgey. Not really. Like, I, that- yeah, I, I saw, you know, the holiday specials, and I didn't even want to look and see how much a Spider-Man Punisher 129 is or something <laughs> <laughs> that I don't have and I'm going to have to buy. It's going to put a dent in my wallet. And then y'all look there, and it's probably like $18 or something. Like, freaking <laughs> Jimmy Johns. So <laughs> I am good on the ads. But, you know, it, it just happens to yeah. be one of those. For me, that's an anomaly. So yeah. I, I will take this anomaly as the exception that it is. <laughs> I'm looking at the East Coast Comics ad right now. Amazing Spider-Man 200, mm-hmm. $3. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> Three. What did you pay 200? for yours, Delvin? Huh? What did you pay for yours, Delvin? Oh, for two hundred, I don't know. Um, not that much for one hundred. <laughs> Talk about added up, but like yeah. different ad. <laughs> Jason, do you have an ad? I do. I was looking at the video games and was contemplating a couple of them, but then I dove into this. You got to really search for it. But there's a thing called build your own laser. And I got to think this is how a James Bond villain gets started right here. (laughs) I'm just going to read it. New manual reveals latest scientific breakthroughs and gives complete step-by-step instructions for building six kinds of real working lasers with easy-to-get parts. You could even build an infrared laser quickly for under $30, guaranteed, all caps. If not completely satisfied after you try the patented plans, just return, full refund, blah, blah, blah. But it comes also, and this is what sold it for me, it comes with six danger laser light decals. <laughs> I'm having so much fun with these, man. I'm <laughs> love lasers. It. You've sold me on I'm ordering yep. it now. I think I'm getting this laser. Let's, let's order these lasers. I was almost on the Batman watch. There's a Batman watch in here, too. But then I saw Build Your Own Laser. Tell me more. And it got me. Pat, are you stapling something? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm actually sorry. I should have went off on mute. But as Jason was explaining his, I'm kind of getting ready for my ad. And I have some visuals for you guys. Oh, oh. it work well on the podcast. podcast yeah. <laughs> it does. It, it's right. for podcast we'll medium. Our, we'll do our that. best to explain it to you. Folks. Let's see. <laughs> but my ad is on the back cover, and it's for the TurboGrafx-16 video game system. Yeah, yeah. Woo! That game system was very cool. And it actually reminds me, when I look at it right now, when I look at it, it reminds me of kind of the PlayStation 2, how it kind of looked with that black and, and kind of mm-hmm. square and, and mm-hmm. things like that. The TurboGrafx 16 kind of looked at, but it was a little bit different and I think kind of cooler at this time for the ends. You know, the, the SNES was just out. And so looking for the next big edgy thing to have. And this was the system. I remember getting it. 
Again, my friend Glenn, he was big into video games too. He got it. So I wanted it one too. And then what you could add on to it, just like the Sega, you could add on the CD system to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Thank you. You talk about Delvin dropping some cash on something. I dropped about three hondos on to get the CD system. Ooh. Yeah. Luckily, I was making some bank back in the day for a kid. You're single, oh, aren't you? Well, yeah, single and with my parents and, you know. Still, I was in I was in high school, yeah, but still had a decent he job. Sold cigarettes, yep. pistachios, gold diamonds, pistachio gold, nuts, but no heroin. No heroin. <laughs> Good to know. I do have a question for Jared, and this is a little bit of comics to console. Did the Turbo Graphics do well? And I don't think in my head, I don't think it really did. But why? No, no Turbo Graphics did okay. They kind of their timing was good because, like Pat said, the NES was just starting to fade. I think at this point, SNES wasn't quite with us yet. So they were kind of attacking that 16-bit window. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the Genesis, I believe, was right about this time. And so it's kind of like, okay, do I go with the Sega Genesis? It had an invisible touch. (laughs) (laughs) Known brand. Or do I try these new guys? TurboGrafx-16. And what it comes down to is video game library. And you yeah. recognize games on Genesis. You, you see Sonic and all that stuff. And you go, oh, that's cool. And TurboGrafx 16 had decent games, but no, like, didn't have that killer app. Didn't have that Mario. What do you remember is this one? Bonk Bonks was, and- like, their biggest icon. I do. I do remember Bonk. I remember the ads from the comic books. Yeah, he's showing us Bonk. He's got the case and everything. Yeah. I had a Turbo 16 that I got it. Surprise, surprise, yard sale. But, yeah, to answer your question, Delvin, I think they did as best as they could. I think they had good timing, but I think what it came down to was it just that it, it was mascot fever and just yeah. people didn't gravitate to Bonk. Mm-hmm. Like most people I remember getting the TurboGrafx 16 was either play Bonk or Splatterhouse. Yeah, that game too. Um, I remember that at too. So, yeah. but that was about it, you know? And so Sega kind of buried it. And then here comes Super Nintendo on the heels of the Sega Genesis. And we all know how that had, mm-hmm. how that came out. But yeah. It's not a bad system, just didn't have the mascot power, I think. That's my opinion. Yeah. No, I think you're right on that, Jared. I definitely think you're right. I still got my games, and I think I just keep onto these things for nostalgia on it. Like, Bonk's Adventure came with the system. Dungeon Explorer, Sidearms. Do you still have the system? Keith Courage. I think I do. I just, I don't think it's here with me. I got to remember if it's at my parents' house somewhere. So, you know, I boxed it up and left it with them. I think I ended up selling the one that I got at the yard sale because I, I had this rule, like, if I haven't played it in 10 years, it's time to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I took it out of a box when I was like, <gasps> oh, it's a TurboGrafx-16. I remember when I bought this. And so I think I did end up selling it. So I can't help you, Pat. Yeah. I, I Then I got a lot of games, a few games from with the CD, too, as well. Last Alert, Final yeah. Zone 2. You got some Love- good bank there, man. You could sell those. I haven't gone to look to see how much these things are at someday. Jarrett, what's your ad? I forgot I hadn't gone yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with inside front cover. Go head to head wireless. The Nintendo double player wireless head to head system from Acclaim. Man, look at those guys playing the wrestling game. They're going face to face. They got their wireless controllers. You look at the little box at the bottom. You see the guys zapping their wireless controllers at the TV. They're having a good time. Let me tell you, this was the most annoying that they ever made these things did not work worth a crap. And I will tell you why, because I actually 
tried some of these out. A buddy of mine, you know, was always a rich kid, got them. And so we were like, oh, play, hook it up, play it, you know? And you see what it comes with is that little box. There's a little box you plug into your NES ports where you'd normally plug in a controller. And then, of course, the wireless ones take batteries. There's nothing wrong with that. But it works the same way a TV remote from back in the late 80s worked. It was, you know, a laser. Jason can build that for you, by the way. So you had to be aimed at the box. Like I the can second... build six types of laser. Just <laughs> to throw that out there. <laughs> so basically, you had to aim it directly at the box for it to work. So the second you start getting casual with your gaming, you let your hands dip a little bit. It, it doesn't work anymore. So it's like the most rigid, uncomfortable gaming possible. So while it looked cool and wireless, we were like, blew our minds. It did not work well. And the sad part it's is... It's a Popeye forearms, but... I know. Summer, <laughs> the worst part about it is this Acclaim version was probably the best working wireless controller they had, and it still was just awful. We played it for like maybe an hour, and we were like, screw it. Plug in the old ones. This is ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, you got to give it them some credit, though, at least for trying it. And, oh. you know, just to see oh, yeah. how far that's become now. Yeah, I mean, it is indicative of how popular Nintendo was at the time because there's a, another wireless control ad in here from QuickShot by Bondwill. I mean, I know I'm taking another ad, but the point I'm trying to make is like Nintendo was so hot. There was a huge market for Nintendo extras, you know, uh, W had a better word. I think yeah. you mouthed a better word. What was it? Accessories. Thank you. Accessories. Like there was, you know, the Nintendo, this thing will hold your Nintendo and this thing you can. Turn your Nintendo into a coaster for $12. Jason will turn it into a laser, you know, or something. <laughs> <laughs> but like there was so many add-ons just because it was so pervasive. The market got crazy. And unfortunately, most of it is crap. You know, crap. I'm looking at you, U-Force, Power Glove. I mean, they're all famous, but they didn't work that great. <laughs> I always wondered that, about the power glove. That one, that robot glove. thing for oh, <laughs> Rob, Rob, the robot. He came with the earlier Nintendos and the whole point of him. You guys got me going now. Well, so mm. you, can, you can play Gyromite. He was your partner for Gyromite, but it was so much easier just to get a friend to press the buttons or do it yourself with your toes. Cause the whole point of it was just to press <laughs> the button. Like that's all you did. And they made, I think literally, I want to say it was three games that could be, it was really kind of compatible. Had some my left foot stuff going up. <laughs> like, anyways, we could do a whole podcast. of me talking about this, this whole, I've dug a little too deep into this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fun stuff though. Fun memories. Definitely fun times and good memories coming back for some of these ads. Tune in well, after the show for Jared to talk more about Nintendo uh, accessories and yep. why they weren't good. <laughs> yep. Stand by for outtakes, folks. Make a comment in the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page about Jared's thoughts on video game accessories. We can do just a separate show on that if you'd like. Let us know. Sound off in the comments. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the next segment called The Way Back in Time. Once again, it is time to take another revealing peek back into history. What famous date shall I set it to today, Mr. Peabody? January 1990. All right, well, here's some major news from January 1990. And I'll start us off with the first one. From January 1st, Sports News Network begins operation on cable TV. What is Sports News Network? I don't know if that 
became ESPN or maybe I think I don't it might have been the precursor. No, Sorry. ESPN goes back earlier than that. Yeah. yeah. ESPN goes back to the 70s. 70s, yeah. SNN. That's what it is. Delvin, it's Sports News Network. Got it. Like a glove pad. Yep. Speaking of the power glove. In January 7th, the Tower of Pisa is closed to the public after leaning too far. You went too far, Pisa. You went too far. All right. Jason took the one I wanted. <laughs> All right. Here's mine. January 6th, 18, 25, 26, 32, 42, and 44. Those were the lucky lotto numbers that one winner won in New York to win $35 million. And back in 1989, $35 million was worth a lot. I'm not doing yeah. the math for you. It's not action film face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and mine is on January 10th, the NCAA approves random drug testing for college football players. But like, don't worry. It was just, you know, they just pit things like Valtrex or, you know, Meloxicam. You know, just just pick drugs at random to see if the college football players were. It wasn't like, you know, the dope or the weeds or anything. Don't worry. Mm, mm. I'm sure that, that nobody ever tested positive and everything went well. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right. Well, I think we've gone through what we could on these. Let's go ahead and get into the top three movies for January 1990. But. I did throw in an extra one on this just because I don't think anybody remembers what number three is. So I figured you <laughs> might know what number four is. So I'll go ahead and start us off with number four on the top three movies of January 1990 was Ski Patrol. <laughs> Ski Patrol is like... Once Police Academy hit big, they were like, we're going to use this formula in every environment. <laughs> I was just about to say, wasn't that an ensemble comedy? I didn't I didn't watch it, but I, it, it, something wrong familiar. Mm-hmm. One of those, you know, comedies plus little TNA and everything else going on. Yeah. Well, I guess that leaves me with number three then, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pat. You're welcome. So apparently there was a drama called Nuovo Cinema Paradiso. And it raked in about $15 million, but I've never heard of it. It starred Mike Espadito! <laughs> I have heard of number two, though. Coming in at number two. Mm. And is everyone paying attention? Paul Hicks in Australia is <laughs> at number two. Raking in almost $17 million is a little film called Tremors. Or for Ball Hicks, Tremors. Tremors. I didn't see it until maybe two years ago. Two years or less. I finally got around to seeing it because Paul kept bugging me. Okay, honestly, I got an art gig from a guy who was uh, on a website who was interviewing Michael Gross. And he was like, can you do a piece of Michael Gross? And I said, okay, I guess I better watch this movie. So I did, and you know what? Paul was right. It's fantastic fun. It's a great film. Michael Gross from like Family Ties. Michael yeah, Gross? he's in all. Yeah. He's like the through character of all the Tremors movies. There's like six of them now, and he's the in dad. All yes, yes. He plays a guy named Burt Gummer, who is just amazing. Oh. He's like a doomsday prepper. Okay, he, he's awesome. Yeah, you can see them. Tremors I'm, might have to make an action film face-off appearance. I'm certain it will. I've never seen the movie. Me neither. Ooh, maybe if we get enough Patreons, 
We could do a Tremors watch, Paul Higgs. I'll see if, if I can get you guys an art gig around it. Maybe you can watch it the same way I did. <laughs> All of a sudden, we get like 12 more Patreon members from Australia. That's right. Patrons, you get us up there, man. And you, you say, hey, I joined because of the whole Tremors thing. <laughs> okay, we'll do a Tremors we'll do it. for you. Yeah. I mean, it was Kevin Bacon. You got, was it Fred Ward? Fred was it Ward. Fred Ward? Yeah. Uh, Mariba McIntyre. Ooh. The dad from Family Ties. <laughs> Michael Gross. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, before we, you know, moon too much over the number two movie, we should go to the number one movie. It was a thriller suspense called Internal Affairs. Made about 27 million bucks. What's Internal Affairs, y'all? All right, so it's Internal Affairs takes place on a dude ranch out in, like, the desert. And then there's these monsters under the ground that can feel when things that, are walking. That's tremors. That's tremors. Oh, I, then I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Internal <laughs> Affairs was a Richard Gere movie where he was, like, a bad cop or something. I haven't seen it. I I, like, seen the title it sounds familiar, but I haven't I seen better, it. I better look to make sure I just didn't lie, but I think it's a Richard Gere movie. Uh, you don't have to look. Somebody in the comments will they'll tell us, did yeah. Jason lie or did he not lie? Let us know. <laughs> yeah. Is Jason full of it or is he on point tonight? Yeah. I was kind of hoping know. you could edit it out if I was wrong. but <laughs> No, it's better to leave it It's in. a bit ride. Let it ride. <laughs> We're doing it live. Speaking about doing it live, let's go ahead and get into the top three songs according to Billboard at this time. I will start us off with number three is I don't know much but I know her love I love you and that may be all I need look at these eyes Linda Ross that was terrible I liked it it was good the rest of you were just off why don't we let Linda and Aaron Neville? That's a great song. I don't care. I love it. It is a great song. I love it. It is a good song. Not as good as the number two song, though, by Janet Jackson, which is We all live in the freedom nation. People are the worst today. That song was awesome. <laughs> that song is still awesome. That still video awesome. was awesome. The whole album is just unbelievably yeah. good. That's a great album. Yeah, good times. Well, that brings us to number one. Before we do that, though, we should probably think twice. Why? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, Jason. <laughs> just another day another in paradise. Day of you and me in paradise. Think twice. It's another day for you and me in paradise. Oh, think twice. Just another day for you. You and me in paradise. Oh, cat on the track. Sing along, background, background. We got cat on the track, Pat. The kitty cat remix. <laughs> anyway, number one, Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins. And man, it's a great jam. A mm. great jam. This is like when he's kind of breaking off from Genesis, right? 
and just kind of going off by himself. His, his first real good solo album was No Jacket Required, and I want to say that was 84. Okay. You know, he's pretty well established solo at this point, but yeah. Speaking yeah, he came no, back with Genesis really in like 90? 88, 89 yeah. time frame. Okay. That was Invisible Touch, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, with Invisible Touch. Another great album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good put out some hits. And he did. Hey, you want a fun bit of trivia about Phil Collins and the No Jacket Required? You want to hear it? Here it go. We all know the cover. It's basically just his face, and it's kind of in a red light. Okay? If you pop that CD into Windows Media Player, and you, you, it looks like it all pops up normally, but for some reason, if you pull it up in Windows Media Player, his face is now what he looks like now, and not what he looks like then. It's much older. And I'm like, interesting. They replaced, like, it's like a, it's a new cover, but if you don't really look at it, you won't even notice it. Kind of cool. Oh, so if you've got the CD, pop it in and pull it up with Windows Media Player, and you'll see what I'm talking about. I got the vinyl, man. I'm like old school. Just pop man. it in your computer, Jason. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know the problems I'm having with this modem. I'll try it. I'll try it. <laughs> All right. Well, with the songs, news, and movies out of the way, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Got something to say? We want to hear your comments. We want to hear some feedback from you. Get into the conversation with us by sending us an email at contact.longboxcrusade.com or also leaving a comment on the Twitter Longbox Crusade page or on the Facebook or Instagram. We will be right back. I'm Paul. And I'm Mike. We do Waiting for Doom, the Doom Patrol podcast. And we also do DCOCD, the DC Events podcast. And now we're doing another podcast called The Gary Show. People have asked us what the Gary Show is all about. It's about two friends talking. It's about mutual understanding. I don't agree. It's about our lives. It's about mistakes. It's about being real. But mostly, it's about 60 more minutes. Paul. The Gary Show, now on the Waiting for Doom podcast feed. Welcome back from the break. Now, let's get to the feedback part of the show, where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We're thrilled to kick off these comments. Special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. Woo! These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, voting to help determine show content, and so much more. I mean, you don't even know. You do not even know. So, these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Thank you for being a friend. And Helica Wolf. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. Captain Entropy. That was random. Dave Collins. Battlewagon. Damn Battlewagon. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason Keane, which may or may not be the weasel squad. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, and I hope you like Jim Jarman too. <laughs> I try not to laugh. <laughs> Joe Thomas. John Watson. Jose Poyo. Josh 
Strickland Slacker. Kathy Bright. Snipe. MVP. Monstrous Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. B.D. Devins. Be very happy at this podcast, Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Toronto Cap. And Brad Morin. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we'll get it sorted. That, that's what they say in Britain. And as a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com and searching for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us out here at Longbox Crusade headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just a five-star rating, it helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. So it looks like we have an iTunes review. I was just about the opposite. Man, I kept looking at the well. It was dry. I didn't think we were ever getting it. That's getting thirsty. Jared, what do we got? We have got a review from friend of the show, J. Kev Fink is our friend, Jeremiah. It's titled, Awesome Podcasts, plural, two exclamation points. Sorry, I did not leave feedback sooner. I love these shows. I especially enjoy the action film Face Off. Meow, 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 meow. Meow, 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 meow. (laughs) Whatever. Oh, there's more. Oh, okay. So here we go. I especially enjoy the action film Face Off, Transformers, and G.I. Joe Chronicles (laughs) show. Hey, 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 you you, you gloss over one. (laughs) No, I I said action film Face Off, clearly, as a bell. But there, there's there's one after that. Yeah, Joe. Yo. All right, let me, let me stop doing bits and bits. I especially <laughs> enjoy the action film Face Off, Transformers, and GI Joe Chronicles shows. They always get their shows out in a timely manner. That good work, and are all a great group of guys. Their content is always positive and entertaining. We take pride in that. I really enjoyed meeting all of them at a recent convention. And they went out of their way to take pictures and answer questions I had about the shows. Thanks a lot for that, guys. And keep up the good work. So read them all till all are one. And yo, Joe. What a great feedback. Oh, man. That's great. And it was Wait, so nice to meet him. say keep your head down? <laughs> <laughs> man, what a, what a great feedback. We really appreciate it. Thank you, J-Kev. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, it was that really was great to awesome. talk to him. Yeah, when it was great like meeting him, too. And... It's not my story. It was whose story? Jared or Jason? You got to tell the story about. We both have the yeah. same story. <laughs> One of y'all got to tell the story about how y'all met him. Oh, well, it, I'll take it, Jason. It's, we were about the same spot. I think we just got done talking to Peter David. Not that it matters. And I was off talking to somebody else. And I don't know which one he came to first, but separately, it's the same story for both of us. We are approached by a person we do not know. It says, hey, are you Jared Albrecht? Or, you know, you put Jason in this story either way. And yes, and who are you? And oh, I'm I'm Jeremiah. I'm a fan of the show, and I just recognized you by your voice. <laughs> so it was the first time I've ever been recognized by voice. And it was the same guy I had the same conversation with Jason, not too far away from me either. So what a what a cool thing to be recognized by voice. Yeah, that's very cool. 
it was an awesome moment and just a really, really nice guy. And it was a pleasure meeting him. And yeah, well, we could do a whole podcast on the Dragon Con experience. <laughs> yeah, we could. So moral of the story is, folks, don't be afraid to approach us during any cons or, or things like that. We're lovable well, guys. Well, you three. I get a little edgy, but you three are yeah. approaching. Yeah, you were kind of grumpy there. But yeah, get hungry. <laughs> I get sleepy, tired. But you pulled it together for J-Cab. You were a <laughs> true champion. <laughs> when he was like, are you Jared Albrecht? I was like, I only sign autographs at my table, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even go to the bathroom without people bothering me. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was a really cool comment from Jeremiah. Thank you so much. And that is the only uh, social media like, shares, and retweets we have because we have not put out episode 29 yet. We're recording this one a little bit early because uh, we have a taskmaster when it comes to that calendar, man. Like, whoever that dude is, it's just, woof, we got to put out schedule. Or Wait, we I have mean, a calendar? Jay Kev specifically said in his feedback, the he timely did. delivery of product. <laughs> yep, that, that's calendar and scheduling of the podcast. That's exactly. Wonder Twin Powers activate. activate. Form okay, of a podcast. Shape of a grumpy guy. <laughs> I mean, but I feel like, you know, Grandma and Happy Gilmore, my back hurts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll form these nuts. <laughs> all right, Pat's drunk. Close the show. <laughs> yeah, all right. And so no comments at this time, but of course we will get to them. Uh, and well, for now, thank you to everyone for the like, shares, follows, comments, support love we appreciate all of it and your help in spreading the word about this podcast and i'm gonna jump in real quick since we don't have comments and i want pat to have things to edit thank you since we don't have comments i want to specifically give a shout out to the people who stop by our youtube live streams and hang out in the chat and ask questions and you're also mm -hmm. nice and friendly and it's a really good environment over there so if you're listening to this and you haven't joined us for our live streams we're generally on the first tuesday of every month for Creator Spotlight, the second Tuesday of every month for Come Out to Play, the new Warriors show, and the second Sunday of every month with just us being silly. So, you know, if you're a podcast listener and you hadn't gotten around to meeting us on YouTube for a live stream, it's a really cool group of people. And I just want to shout out to everybody who joins us on those and invite others. Come on in. The water is warm. Come on in. Have some fun with us. Great shows going on on the YouTube channel. And that's the show. So be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusade.com where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jarrett, Jason, and Delvin for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can also find us on the internet. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Delvin. You can find me at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven on Twitter. Jared. I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my webpage, theyardsaleartist.com for all your Christmas shopping needs. Pat? You can also find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And Jared, I am glad you asked. That should put you back to sleep. <laughs> Doing things backwards? I, no, so you know, that's the, that was the passphrase I used. Oh, Never mind. Right. <laughs> I'm dead. Okay. And if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us on our next episode of Doing It Livestream over on the YouTube. 
And as Jared said, come and check us out and hang out with the people in the chat. It is such a fun time. And I think the chat just has a chat with themselves sometimes. And it's just fun to see it happening. Is. Yeah, it is. It's a fun group. It's very cool. We do that on the second Sunday of every month at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. So make sure you get signed up for the Lombox Crusade on YouTube. Subscribe, like, and smash those buttons for us. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lombox Crusade. You got a comment or a question, email us at contact at lombboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Lombox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Lombox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the crusade to Intro music is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J O S E F L I N 99. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. That's how I roll. That's one of the Joe Boss songs. <laughs> this is how I roll. This is how we roll. Joe Joe Bros. <laughs> Hit me with that one more time, Pat. This is how we roll. This is how we roll. That's how I roll. This is how we roll. On the highway, that roll, that roll. Really, I could just go ahead and save myself some time and copy paste the synopsis into the script. I told you you could count on it, Pat. I knew it. You, you, you know it. Well, I guess we're gonna have to take control. I'm about to say, somebody better drop in and help me out there. <laughs> I just I put that in the, the, chron- the last Chronicles, so that I'm I, in. I am love now. I feel, I feel good. I wasn't looking. I was bringing up the script, and I'm like... <laughs> I think we got a set of songs that, that we all go through now. It's 1990s, so there's some decent songs in this one. Yeah, we got it. Call the hold. Call the Ghostbusters on the end control. I got excited. Oh, yeah, it's got that cool beat. You want me to roll with it? Hey, you don't have the planning meeting and then do the new plan at the planning meeting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Letterer is Albert Tobias Dig. You got an iTunes review? Yeah, I got iTunes review. Oh, yeah? Yeah, go ahead and pass it to me, Big Papa. <laughs> okay, sweet. Got it. Take um, me away. I don't mind. But you gotta promise me I'll be back. For the record, if we start that podcast, I'm calling it NES 
accessories. E X C E S S accessories. Uh. Make sure that's the last no. outtake, and it just fades. <laughs> <laughs>